0: Just to let you know, I did get a day pass from the nursing home. They let me out this morning so I could be with you. For those of you that are wondering why I'm here, so am I. Um, Nathan is in the air at the moment. He's on this leadership training course. And so for some strange reason, both times he's been on it, they've picked flights that take Sunday mornings out for him. So um, you're stuck with me. Okay, well, whether or not you're a fan and whether or not you're caught up in it, soccer fever has hit the nation. The Women's World Cup has done incredible things across the whole nation. Now, I'm not a huge soccer fan, I must say, and yet I was caught up in the hype of, of, of the soccer over these last few weeks. In fact, we had the whole family over one night so we could watch one of the earlier games and um, I think our whole neighbourhood wondered what had struck them. Um, the game wasn't that exciting because it was a nil-all, but it was the penalty shootouts. That were, if they could have just gone straight to them, it would have been a really exciting thing. But anyway, the thing is it has created not just a stir and an excitement, but it's done things. We're hearing now that young people all over the country are signing up to join a sporting club. And it's not just girls, but it's also put women in the spotlight again where it's needed to show that they are just as valuable and they have such a huge contribution to make and that we need to honour those contributions. Now, to help you understand how much impact it had, now, whenever I come to church of a Sunday morning, when I get here, the kids are outside as I pull in the driveway playing basketball out there. Last week, turned up, they were playing soccer. <laughs> Can you believe it? I'm not sure whether they've gone back to soccer or back to basketball today, but the impact it had even on our kids here who don't usually do any, have anything to do with soccer, they were out there playing soccer. So it had a very positive effect. Now, in the lead-up to, to the the semi-finals when we were in it, hoping, hoping above all hopes that we would win, I heard an interview with a past player who had played, well, say, you know, from a generation ago, who had played in a World Cup. And the stupid what I thought was a really dumb question from the interviewer. They said to this person, well, it's our hometown crowd. Don't you see there's a disadvantage of playing at a hometown crowd? Did you ever feel the disadvantage? Did you not feel that because you were at home, there was this added pressure that you had to perform like you would never perform before? Did it really impact your game in a negative way? And this person responded as I would have hoped they responded when they said definitely not. In fact, the roar of the supporters is one of the greatest encouragements we could get. We could feel the energy and it helped us so much. The energy of the crowd helped us get over the line. Now, last week, Nathan made some very rude comment about introverts, for those of you who remember. Remember, he was talking about the cheer of the crowds, saying he wanted his own cheer squad, and then he made some rude comment about the fact that well, the introverts would probably hate the thought of that. Self-disclosion here, I'm an introvert. And I don't think I'd want a crowd cheering me on. But while it might be a surprise to some of you that I'm an introvert, it's certainly not a surprise to my family. In fact, while we were away just the other week, on our family chat line, Daniel sent sent a video clip to the whole family. Now, let me give you the background of it. I'm going to show it to you here so you'll see how exciting our family clips are. But it was during minis here on the Monday. Now for those of you that haven't seen Minis in Action, this is a buzz. This room is packed with people and so is this area out here. So many activities for the kids and Dan sent this clip and I'll tell you what his caption was when we finished seeing this clip. But This is about Milo at Minis. See how he enjoys himself. And the caption, the only thing Dan sent with that was this. So the family says, "Um, reckon this guy takes after his pa? (laughs) See, my my family are aware of the fact that if it gets too noisy, if the crowd gets too much, I sometimes sneak away and find my own private space. Now, let me say, it's not because I don't like a crowd. I don't mind being in a crowd so long as they don't want to talk to me or make contact with me. I'm all good. But um, though I have issues in large crowds, there's one thing I have, to, I have to concede. And that is this, that when you are in a crowd, you can't help but get caught up in the excitement that it brings. Have you not been caught up in the, in the atmosphere of a crowd? They somehow draw you in. You you sense, as that that soccer player was saying, the energy that it brings to to a space or to a room. And I've seen people who are very often quiet, meek and mild people change their whole persona when they're in a crowd. Now, I can remember hearing a story a number of years ago of um, a person from from our church who, who, who was talking about the fact they were at a football game. And um, they would taken one, one of their young children with them. And he said, there was this person a few rows back from us who was shouting and screaming and hurtling abuse at everybody throughout the whole game. And the, their language was not too pleasant to listen to. He said, and I was too scared to turn around because I didn't want to incite any more more anger, but after a while, it got too much for me. So I turned around to say something to this person, and when I did, I noticed that that person was one of the leaders of our church, <laughs> who was normally a very quiet person. So he said he turned around again and forgot all about it. Didn't <laughs> dare challenge him. Now, one of the key elements of a crowd, other than the energy it brings, is the noise it brings. It's a given, isn't it? Crowds make a great deal of noise. There's something special about the roar of a crowd. And for me, the further away from it, I don't mind it. I can hear it. I love, you know, if, if we've been walking Adelaide and there's a football game on or, or a cricket match on and you can hear the roar from Adelaide Oval a distance away and you just know something exciting is going on. You can hardly hear yourself in the middle of the noise with the roar of a crowd. Well, scripture records that almost everywhere Jesus went, he evoked a crowd. People swarmed to see him. People people wanted to get a glimpse of him. In fact, he had superstar status before it was even a thing. And at times we are told that the crowds were so great that people could hardly move. And it was almost as if they were going to cave in on each other. And and you know that incredible story of, of the woman with the flow of blood who just believed that if if she could touch Jesus, then he would heal her. And scripture goes on to say that, that the crowd was so great, she somehow pushed away through the crowd, but she couldn't actually get to Jesus, but she was able to just reach her hand out and touch the hem of his cloak. And Jesus noticed it. And he stopped and he said to his disciples, who touched me then? And their response was, Lord, what are you talking about? There are so many people hundreds have touched you they're crowding in on you how could you know of one particular person touching you well I want us to look at another passage of scripture this morning about a crowd that's following Jesus it's a very familiar passage and it's taken from Mark's gospel at chapter 10 verses 46 to 51 it's going to come up let me read it to you Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted more and louder, Son of David have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Let's pray. Father God, um, As we look at your word this morning, we would just pray that your spirit would reveal to us just what you want to say to us. Help us to just release every other distraction. We just want to clearly hear your voice this morning. And so, Lord, we just pray that your spirit would be with us and you would guide us. We pray in your name. Amen. Now, I said this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but did you know it's the last recorded miracle that Jesus did just before his triumphant entry into Jerusalem? You know, just before his heading toward the cross. This is the last miracle that takes place. It's on his way there. It's only seven verses in all, but I want to say that there is so much packed into it. It's incredibly powerful if we, if we pull it apart. We need to understand in this passage of Scripture that as an outcast, because of his blindness and in any frailty was seen as a sin of the parents on their children, then as an outcast, as a sinner, he would have had no option but to have maintained a safe distance from everybody else. He couldn't mix with the crowd. So here he is, as he has always been, sitting on the roadside begging. And a crowd starts to build up because they know that Jesus is about to come past. And so what has to happen is that as more and more people come to stand and and line the streets, he's pushed back further and further because he's got to keep his distance to the point where the crowd have gathered and he is behind everybody else out of sight. Now I've mentioned to you the the excitement and momentum that builds in a crowd and the deafening noise that comes with it. Yet sitting in the dirt behind the crowd that are all fighting to get the best possible position, Bartimaeus begins to shout. He begins to call out in the hope of getting the attention of Jesus. Now let's face it, there is no way Jesus is going to hear this man way behind this noisy crowd calling out his name. It's humanly impossible, but with God, nothing's impossible. The crowd actually tell him to quieten down. But desperate to get Jesus' attention, he shouts louder, repeating over and over again the words, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me you see he's determined to be heard he doesn't care about the crowd he is not going to let this moment pass him by he knows what jesus can do and he wants to have that encounter with him and then scripture goes on to tell us in this small this small story that jesus not only heard him above all the noise but that he stops for this man this man who is an outcast, not worthy of being noticed, let alone having attention drawn to him. And in that instant, Jesus saw past the exterior. He saw past others' preconceptions, past Bartimaeus's faults and failings. And instead, through the crowd, almost hidden from sight, Jesus saw him as his precious loved child. In that very instant, he was a person Jesus was worth willing to endure the cross for. He saw his worth. He knew his needs and he not only heard his cries and stopped for him, but he also sought him out. He didn't wait for Bartimaeus to come to him. He sent his disciples to Bartimaeus to say, come to me. I want you to understand this this morning. That this story, as powerful as it is and, and as telling as it is about this man, this story is far deeper than that of a blind man being on the roadside seeking an audience with Jesus. I would imagine that Jesus had many, many encounters with beggars on his travels. And surely at this stage in Jesus' life journey, at this particular moment, there was much more on Jesus' mind. As I've already said, he is about to endure the cross. He knows that this walk is taking him to his death. And surely for him, if it was me, that would be the biggest pressure on my mind. And yet he stops. You see, why is this particular encounter with Jesus recorded? Why is this one man, this sinner, as people saw him so significant? I believe it's because this is not so much to do about Bartimaeus alone. It's a message that reaches far beyond him. It's a story of hope for people who feel victimised or outcast or alone, misunderstood. It's a story of hope for people who feel of little value, of little worth. It's a story of hope for people who are constantly being told that they will never amount to anything or will never measure up. It's a story of hope for people who struggle to fit in. It's a powerful story of transformation, of a loving God who sees in us what no one else can, not even ourselves. At this particular time, in the lead up to this particular account, as they're walking along the road, Jesus has been trying to explain and get in the head of his disciples what's about to happen for him. And why he's about to do it. And all they are wanting to do through, through Jesus trying to make it known to them is, is talk to him about who is the most important amongst them. And yet this story comes, this, this encounter comes at this point. And I believe it's poignant. And it says many things, not just about Bartimaeus and what he can do for him. He was speaking to his disciples and he speaks across the generations to us. And there are two things here I want us to look at. I think this is some lessons we can learn from it this morning. The first is this for you and for me. Don't let anyone silence your voice or dampen your enthusiasm when you are chasing after Jesus. Don't let anybody get in your way. Don't let anybody try to discourage you or push you aside. And the second point is this, don't listen to the crowd or even the voices in your head that try to silence you or tell you that you're not worthy or you're not good enough or that you will never measure up, that Jesus would never be interested in you. Another significant part of this story that is often overlooked is found in verse 50. And um, it reads this. Let me read it to you from here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And then it goes on to say, Bartimus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. Bartimus threw aside his coat. I could spend a whole preach on this verse But that's not my key focus this morning. You see, there's a real significance about this cloak that Bartimaeus is wearing. It's a cloak that he was made to wear. It was a cloak that that beggars like him had to have. It was a cloak that... I suppose it was the thing that labelled him, it's the thing that defined him as an outcast. It declared to all who saw him that he was a sinner, that he was unworthy, that he was broken, that he was insignificant, that he was unclean. It was was a sign to all who saw this cloak on him that he had no rights, that, that they were to keep their distance from him. And it must have weighed heavy on him every day of his life. This cloak defined who he was to the people around him. And the reason I love this particular verse is because it tells us that he doesn't just remove the cloak, but it says that he throws aside the cloak that has defined him all his life. It declared to all who saw him that he was this sinner. And he just says, I'm done with it. I don't want to wear this cloak anymore. You know, I believe that Bartimaeus just knew in that instant, in that moment, that as he was going to move toward Jesus, he was never going to go back to take that cloak up again. Because he knew an encounter with Jesus would change him forever. And that he would never return to that position because he would never be the same person again. Now, the powerful and significant part of this story for me is when after Jesus had heard his voice above every other voice, after he seeks him out, after Bartimaeus removes this beggar's cloak that has labelled him and weighed him down, and after he throws it on the ground and after he makes his way through the crowd and stands in the presence of Jesus is what happens next. I know this story so well. I've read it many times. And as I looked at this week, I saw something I'd never noticed or considered significant in the story before. And it's found in verse 51. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw away his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. And then here's the key. Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, seriously, wasn't it totally obvious what he wanted Jesus to do? Excuse the pun, but blind Freddie could have seen what he wanted. He was a man who had lost his sight. He wanted to see. He wanted to be able to, 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 to live a normal life again. He wanted to be healed. He wanted to be made whole. That was very obvious to me. And I just find it so incredible that Jesus, who above that crowd Bartimaeus, hidden well behind them, not only heard him, but saw him. Jesus knew all about him. Jesus knew what the issue was. And yet, for me, the significant part in this whole story is the fact that Jesus says to him when he comes to him, when Jesus calls him to himself, so what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Before he was healed, before he received his sight, before his life was changed forever, Jesus wanted him to speak out what it was that was his need. Do you understand that? Do you get that? If you talk to a psychologist or a counsellor, they will tell you that one of the most important parts of your healing process is that you've got to name what it is that is the issue for you. They might see it clearly, you might know it, but there is power, there is healing in speaking it out. And so Jesus says to Bartimaeus, I want you to speak out what it is that you want from me. I want us to look at two other passages of Scripture here very quickly. Philippians 4, 6, we'll know well. It'll come up on the screen, hopefully. Don't worry about anything. But in every situation, present your request to God. Tell God what you need. Then, and only then, will you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And John 14, 13 says this, You can ask anything in my name, and I will do it. But the key is you have to ask. There is power, there is freedom, there is release when we humble ourselves and verbalise our needs before God. Now, I want you to do something this morning. Now, I know how you're feeling when I say that because when Nathan says that any time he preaches, I'm doing this panic inside and thinking, what's he going to ask me to do? But it's fine. What I want you to do this morning... Is put yourself in that story. I want you to make it your story this morning. And so, to do that, here's what I want you to do I just want you to close your eyes, block out the noise around you, anything that's distracting you. And I want you to imagine yourself as Bartimaeus waiting in a crowded street. You're tired, you're weary. You're weighed down by that cloak, that, that people, circumstances, expectations of others and even yourself has been placed upon you. It's weighing heavy on you. You spot Jesus through the crowd and desperate for his attention, you start to shout over and over again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You're determined this morning more than anything else, more than you've ever been before, that you're not going to let this opportunity pass you by. Because you know in your heart that if you have an encounter with Jesus this morning, then you'll never be the same again. We just sang, I've seen what you can do, O God of wonders. Your power has no end. The things you've done before, In greater measure, you can do again. Somehow above all the noise, Jesus hears your cry. He then seeks you out over everyone else. And as you approach him, he asks you this one question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? My question to you this morning is, how would you respond this morning? What would you say to him? What one thing would you ask him to do for you if you knew that it would release you from that burden that you've been carrying, that's been weighing you down? What one thing would you ask of him if you knew the release of would change your life at this very moment? Now, as you ponder that thought, we're going to listen to a song. And as we listen to it, I don't want you to get caught up in the song. But I'm wondering whether you're brave enough to speak out what it is that you need right now. And I'm not asking you to shout out to to me. I'm going to have a couple of people stand up here who you can come to for prayer if you think that would help. And they they can pray with you. But I just believe that Bartimaeus' story, that Bartimaeus' encounter with Jesus could be yours this morning. You know, the last verse of that passage, Jesus says to him, after he speaks out what it is that he wants, he says, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. And so I'm just going to ask that we listen, that you listen to God's voice as this song is played. And if, if you believe that for you this morning, there's this, this, this burden that you've been carrying, that there's something that's weighing heavy on you that you need to bring to Jesus, then this is what I want to say to you this morning. You need to speak it out to him. You need to declare it and he will do it. And so we're going to have a couple of people stand here. If you want prayer, just want to speak it out, they will just pray for you. As you do this, let's listen prayerfully to this song. underestimate what God can do. His power has no end. I just want to I want to go deeper into this account just for one more minute. Two things I want to say that I want to leave with each of you this morning. As, as Christ followers, as his hands, his feet, his eyes in our communities, in our neighbourhoods, let us pray. Lord, open my eyes to those people in my community who go unseen and unheard by all but you. Show me when you notice, sorry, show me who you notice so I can give them my full attention. This is an important part of this story for us. We can be Jesus to others. So many people feel they can't speak out. Lord, draw us to them so we can give them our attention. And the second point is this, prayer is this, Teach us to pray with the passion and the persistence of Bartimaeus. Help us not to give up. Help us not to be silenced by the crowd, but to cry out again and again for your intervention in their lives as well as ours. We're going to finish by singing that great song again. doesn't mean we finished listening to God, but let's sing it with our heart. Let's believe it. We can see what you have done, O oh God of wonders. But you can do what you've done, done even or you can do even more than what you've done before in our lives. Do you believe that? And I ask you to stand as we sing it together.